Well, today we're going to keep working through our series on Jesus. And last week we talked about Jesus the Son, and today we want to talk about Jesus the Healer. And so, the Healer, some of you might be getting excited about like that, like, hey, we might have some healings today. Maybe, maybe Pastor Alex is going to hit some people in the head, and we'll have some healings. That would be really cool, right? And as much as I wish I could do that, and as much as I wish I could hit some of you in the head, and I'm just kidding, I love all of you, um, we want to just talk about Jesus, the healer. And I want to talk about this story that kind of talks about our expectations for God's healing versus God's timing and God's will and healing. And so I just want to say, I think that this, this is really good because, number one, I think it's where I'm living right now. I think it's where a lot of you are probably living right now. I think every single one of us will be able to relate with where we're at today. And I hope that God will speak to you through this story. And so I'll start by asking you this question. Have you ever lived in the disconnect between what you expected God to do and God's actual plan and what actually happened. Think about it for a second. Can you think of a time in your life where you had these expectations of what you thought God was going to do, and then you were living it, but it wasn't happening, and the reality was things were different than you expected? Can you remember a time in your life like that? Um, Maybe you thought you knew what was best, Maybe you thought you knew what needed to happen and you knew when it needed to happen. Maybe you thought it all, you had it all figured out. Um, Maybe you were desperately relying on God for something and it just didn't seem like it was working out the way it should. In 2004, uh, Megan and I got married. I talked about our wedding last week and, and like, you know, the moron that I am, sorry for that language, I said, um, I put my friend Robbie behind Megan in case I got sad during my wedding. Now, let me clarify. I'm sorry, Megan. It was not in case I got sad. It was in case I got emotional. That was poor choice of wording from me last week. And I actually, it's really funny because I actually saw Teresa kind of crack up when I said that. And then afterwards, I found out it's because she was laughing at what I said, and it, it all made sense. But in 2004, Megan and I got married. And Megan had lived in Ohio her entire life. She lived in Milford all the way up until college and then went to Mount Vernon and was there for four years and then moved home for a year. And then we got married and we went on our honeymoon. And the day we got back from our honeymoon, we started packing. And the next day, we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. And so poor Megan... Has, has lived in Ohio her whole life, has everything is good, and then she gets married to me, and then has to turn around and move 10 hours away from home. And, and I mean, she was, just, she was just uncomfortable with that. It wasn't something that, that she, I mean, she, she wasn't comfortable with that move. And so we moved to South Carolina, and, and she got a job. She, she was looking for a job in, in the teaching um, world, and she got a job at a school called J.K. Gordine. And J.K. Gordine was about 45 minutes from our house. Our house was about 15 minutes from downtown Charleston, and, and then J.K. Gordine was another 45 minutes out. And so the, uh, this was a long drive for her. 
And this seems like a theme in our marriage because right now she works about 40 minutes from the house and I'm starting to think that maybe she just likes working far away from me and I, I don't blame her. But, but she, was, she was a fish out of water, so she worked at this school out in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, and she was in a completely different culture at this school. And she, I mean, she was just, things were difficult. Not only had she gotten married and had that life change, not only had she uh, j- d- packed up and moved, her whole life was in disarray, and then she gets this job at this school that she's just a fish out of water, and things are weird, and they're difficult, And there were circumstances at that school that she wasn't comfortable with. Um, There there were circumstances she had difficulty with some people that she worked with. And things just weren't what she thought they were going to be. Have you ever been there? Where you you thought you knew the plan and you thought everything was good, but, but you got to a place and you're like, what's going on? Why am I here? I mean, think about it. Megan, we got married, and she, she married a pastor, and she was all in, and she was committed to follow God's will, and so we pack up and we move, and she's in South Carolina, and it just doesn't seem to be working out the way that she thinks it should work out. And she was probably asking questions like, what are you doing, God? Why do you have me here? What is your will in all this? Why am I struggling at this place? And for two years, she worked at that school, J.K. Gordine, and made that drive back and forth every day. And for two years, she struggled through that. Have you ever been in that place? Can you relate to that? Where you're thinking, God, what are you doing? Why do you have me where I'm at? Why aren't things working out the way that they, I think they should work out? Why am I, let, let's just get really real right now. Why am I struggling with this pain and this sickness inside of me? Why am I struggling with this broken relationship? Why? Where are you, God? What's happening? I didn't sign up for this. Can you relate with that? Have you ever had those thoughts? I have. I have them more often than I want to admit. What are you doing, God? Where are you? This isn't what I signed up for. Let's jump into our story. Um, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 42 is what we're going to be looking at. And it's a long story, so we're going to break it up in chunks. We're going to work through it a little bit at a time. So let's start in verse 21. It says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So let's stop right there. It tells us that Jairus is a synagogue leader. Jairus is a respected man. He's a man of faith. He handled synagogue duties. And Jairus is esteemed by the people around him. But what we see in Jairus is we see a man that's desperate. We see a man that has faith, but we see a man that's desperate because his little girl is dying. And what we see is he comes to the feet of Jesus and he throws himself on the ground and he says, Jesus, I need your help. My little girl's dying. I don't know what to do. And he takes that step of faith. And he asks Jesus, the healer, to come heal his daughter. And so it's going to work out, right? I mean, 
We've already seen throughout Scripture that Jesus has healed person after person. We've seen Jesus heal people just by saying words. We've seen Jesus heal people in all of these different ways. And and so Jairus has it. He has the faith. And he's doing everything right. He's a synagogue leader. And he comes to Jesus and he throws himself at his feet. And he says, help me, Jesus. Come save my little girl. And so things are going to work out. Jesus goes with them and they're on their way. Then we see our story interrupted by our second little story. And so it continues on. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had, and had spent all that she had. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, then I will be healed. And immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And so we see this little side note. Jairus has has come to Jesus and said, come heal my daughter, come heal my little girl, she's dying. And they go, and they're walking on this path, and then we see this woman come into the picture, and she's, she's been suffering. She's struggling. And so a few things we need to take note of. It says that she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's desperate. Just like Jairus was desperate for saving his little girl, she's desperate. She's spent everything she's had, she has. She's given everything she has, and she just keeps getting worse and worse. And so she's tried everything, and all that's left her is broke and worse off. And so she has this plan. And, and it's a pretty good plan, isn't it? I'm just going to go touch Jesus. That guy that's healing everyone, I'm just going to go touch his cloak, and if I just touch his cloak, everything's going to be okay, I'll be healed. She has faith. That's a good thing. Jairus has faith to go to Jesus. This woman has faith to go to Jesus, and faith enough to think, if I could just touch his cloak, everything will be okay. She's doing her part, and she's going to be healed, right? So in verse 30, It says, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So now hold on. I want to stop here and and we need to ask ourselves a few questions. Because we have two stories going on. We have this one guy who has faith and has thrown himself at Jesus' feet and says, my daughter's dying, I need your help. And they're on their way. And then we see this other woman come and we see this whole other thing happening And so Jairus' daughter is dying. I mean, she is close to death. He's desperate. What do you think he's thinking as Jesus stops to take the time to talk to this woman? 
What do you think Jairus is thinking as the woman comes and interrupts their trip? I mean, if your little girl's dying, you want Jesus to hurry up. You want to be going. And all of a sudden, we see this little stoppage, this little delay. What do you think Jairus is thinking? What are you doing, Jesus? Don't you know my little girl's dying? Don't you know that I need you? Don't you know we're in a hurry? I mean, think about it. This woman's been sick for 12 years. It's not super urgent. She's desperate, but it's not an urgent matter. This guy's daughter is dying. And and so Jairus is probably thinking, what in the world? The second question I think we need to ask at this point is, why is the woman so scared and trembling when she comes to Jesus' feet? Well, that's that's a simple answer. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's sick. And in that culture, in that day, if you're sick and you've been bleeding, then you are unclean. You're an outcast. And and just by touching Jesus, just by touching somebody, that would make Jesus unclean. And so if you were unclean and you were sick, you had no business being anywhere near a rabbi. And she believed, and she had faith, and she had this plan, and so she goes and touches Jesus, and she's healed, but Jesus calls her out, and she's terrified, because the truth of the matter is, she could get in big trouble for what she did. She was unclean. She was unfit to touch Jesus, and so we see Jesus call her out, and she could be in big trouble for this. And so that begs the question, Why would Jesus call this woman out? She got the healing she needed, right? Why would he take the time when a little girl's dying, and why would he take a moment to call this woman out when it can cause her great trouble and great stress? Why would Jesus do this? Doesn't he know that he should be in a hurry? So there's a couple things that I think are really cool about this. The words that Jesus uses, he says this. He says, daughter, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Now think about this. Jairus is so worried about his little daughter. His little girl is sick. And Jesus sees this woman who's unclean and unfit and has no business being there. And he looks at her and he says, you're my little girl. And you need healing. When everyone else would see an outcast and an unclean woman, Jesus sees a daughter. When everyone else would see it being a waste of time and somebody that was not worth their time, Jesus sees a daughter. And so Jesus calls her out because she needs to be called out. She needs more than just healing. She needs to confess, and she needs to encounter a Savior. And Jesus says, it's not just my power, it's not just touching my cloak, it's your faith that's healed you. And in this, Jesus is calling her to something so much more than just one action. Jesus is calling her to a relationship with a Savior. Sometimes, when we think that we need healing, what we really need is something so much more. We need a Savior. We need to walk in faith with our Savior. And so back to the story. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? 
And so just like we talked about, this story is getting complicated, and Jesus takes the time to talk to this woman and to, and, and to have this whole conversation, and they have to be thinking, what are you doing? And then the worst happens, the girl dies. And people come say, what are you bothering with? What are you doing? The girl is dead. And it's, now you've done it, Jesus. Now you've blown it. What we needed, what our whole goal from the start to go heal this little girl, my little girl is dead. She's gone. And it's over. Can you imagine those emotions that Jairus is feeling? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid just believe. Now, hold on just a second. This guy's just found out that his daughter has died. The whole point, he had faith, he had a plan, he went to the Savior, they were on their way, everything was going to work out, and all of a sudden, we have this interruption, and then it's over. She's passed away. And Jesus turns to him and says, just believe. This, this reminds me of, of a scene from a movie that I watched a lot growing up, Aladdin. It, have any of you seen Aladdin? Okay, there's the part where they're being chased um, by kind of like the, the guards, and they're in big trouble for stealing bread or whatever it was they stole, and they run up to his place, and they're up by this window, and, and they've got nowhere to go, and these guards are coming up, and surely they're going to cut off their hand or their head or something like that, and they're at this window, and, and there's this place where Aladdin turns and says... Do you trust me? Do you, remember that? Or do you remember that moment? Do you trust me? That's what's happening here. There's nowhere to go. It's over. It's all done. The girl's dead. And Jesus turns to this guy and says, Do you trust me? I just need you to believe. Things are a mess. Things are falling apart. It seems like everything's done. And Jesus says, Believe. Seriously, Jesus? Seriously? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see what's going on all around me? Don't you know that things are over? It's done? And Jesus says, believe. And so we have this Savior calling us to believe. When we find ourselves in situations like this, let's be honest and say that our first inclination is usually to doubt. Our first inclination when something like this happens is to think that God has abandoned us and it's all over. But Jesus looks at us and says, believe. Do you trust me? Now that believe word is pretty huge because he's not just saying believe in this miracle. The, the word that's used there for believe actually is much bigger than a momentary belief. It's much bigger than a situational belief. What Jesus is saying to Jairus right there is, I need you to follow me. I need you to have faith in me. I need you to believe in me. I need you to enter into a relationship with me and have faith. It's not just believe in this one moment. It's give everything to me and believe. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. With people crying and wailing loudly, he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Jesus said, The child is not dead, but asleep. 
Are you kidding me, Jesus? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? The girl's been dead for a while. We have professional mourners there. In that day, you would hire people to come mourn when somebody died. And Jesus walks in and says, what are you guys worried about? She's just sleeping. Are you kidding me? Can you put yourself in this situation and think about what's going through their heads? After he put them all out because they laughed at him, he said, get out of here. You're not experiencing what's about to happen because you don't believe. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. And so, I mean, is this not one of the most incredible stories you've ever heard? This man has faith and he has a plan and he says, I'm going to get the Savior to save us. That Jesus, the healer, is going to take care of it. And then we see a woman in the middle of this that interrupts it. And during that interruption, this incredible, miraculous thing happens with her. But then the girl dies. And they go on to the house and Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And people are laughing at him. And then he grabs her by the hand and he says, little girl, get up. Just like he looked at the woman and said, daughter, your faith has healed you. He says, daughter, little girl, get up. And we see something incredible. We see a miracle. We see more than a healing. We see a resurrection. Can you imagine what Jairus is thinking? He went from desperate faith to brokenness of loss to trusting in a Savior to witnessing a resurrection. That's incredible. That doesn't happen often even in Scripture. When Jairus went to Jesus, he had faith. He had a plan. He trusted that Jesus could do what he was calling him to do. He thought all he had to do was get Jesus to his house, and he thought he knew how this was all going to work out, and he thought it was going to be simple. But the truth of the matter is, Jairus ended up giving far more than he expected to give. Jairus Jairus went through so much more than he expected to go through. He thought, I'm just going to get Jesus. We're going to walk to the house. Boom, she's good. And instead, he went through this range of emotions, and he saw his daughter die, and he saw a Savior say, just trust me. Just believe. And Jairus had so much more that he had to go through. He wasn't just getting a healing. He was getting a Savior. And so this is the truth today. When we go to Jesus for help, sometimes you will have to give much more than you expect to. Let's go back to that story of South Carolina. Let's look at the story that you can think of where you saw that disconnect. When you go to Jesus for help, when you follow Jesus, sometimes you have to give much more. In fact, all the time you have to give much more than you expect to. The woman was expecting this expedited, quick, discreet healing. If I can just touch his cloak, everything will be okay. And she got called out, and she had to confess, and she had to enter into a relationship with the Savior. Sometimes, when you follow Jesus, and when you need Jesus' help, you will be, much more will be expected of you than you are planning on. It won't be what you expect. And so maybe some of you are in a place where you feel like, this isn't what I signed up for. 
Maybe some of you can relate with Megan in that time in South Carolina where she was working hard and traveling and she thought she knew how it was all going to work out, but she's saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't get it. And you're thinking, this isn't what I signed up for. I signed up for the good stuff, for Jesus the healer. You thought you knew what you were getting into, but it's not happening the way you thought it would. Here's the really good news this morning. Sometimes you're expected... Sometimes you, you are expected, much more is expected of you than you're planning on. But the good news is this, when you go to Jesus for help, you always get much more than you were expecting. You're going to have to give more, but you're going to get so much more. The woman and Jairus, they just wanted a healing. They just wanted Jesus to touch them and be done. And what they got was a Savior that could carry them through anything Jairus wanted a healing. What he got was a resurrection. Sometimes you're going to go through more than you expect. You're going to be in places where you feel lost. But all the time, God's going to give you much more than you ever expected. Let's go back to that story of South Carolina. So Megan was at J.K. Gordine. This school that was difficult, and she didn't want to be there, and she didn't understand why she was there, and she didn't understand what was going on and where God was. Well, her last year at J.K. Gordine, something amazing happened. Well, it's kind of sad, but it's amazing. One of her students that last year, his house burnt down, which is terrible. But Megan had an opportunity to step into their life and to love them. And through Megan's love for that kid, our church rallied around that family and we furnished a whole new house for them. And, and I just think we didn't know why she was there, but man, God did something crazy. God did something awesome through that time of wondering, through that time of not knowing. And what I saw as a husband was I saw God move in my wife's life like he never had before. And I saw God use Megan in ways that I'd never seen it before. And I saw God do something that we never expected. And yes, she had to go through more than she expected, but she got so much more than she expected. During our time in South Carolina, she had another student that passed away. And she had an opportunity to build a relationship with that mom. And awesome things happened through that brokenness. And through that pain, she had another student that was living in a motel and things were so tough. But because she was in that tough place going through something she didn't think she should be going through, she had an opportunity to be a part of healing and restoration in these people's lives. And so she was thinking, what's going on, God? Why am I here? But the whole time, God had something so much better for her. Sometimes we have to put in more than we expect to. But all the time, God gives us more than we expect. When you feel like God is needlessly delaying, or when it seems like you're going through something you shouldn't have to, understand that you don't see the big picture. All you can see is what's in front of you. You don't see the big picture. And the truth of the matter is today, and this is awesome news, and I'm excited to tell you this, the truth of the matter is the Jesus, the healer that we're talking about today, is just as capable of raising a dead girl to life as he is to healing a sick girl. So it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how over it looks like it is or what you're going through. Jesus, the healer, will take care of you and give you more than you ever imagined. 
Jesus is fully capable of delivering you, even when it seems like a lost cause. And so if you're here today, and you feel like you're in the struggle, if you're here today and maybe you need some healing, maybe you're sick, maybe you've got a broken relationship in your life, maybe you feel like God has taken some time and is delaying, is doing something else, and God's busy elsewhere taking care of someone else's problems, and God's ignoring you and what you're going through, and you're saying, what are you doing? And maybe you don't understand why you're experiencing what you're experiencing and what you're going through. And today, Jesus, the healer, the Savior, looks at you and says, believe, trust me, have faith in me. And so today, I want to call you to trust the Savior that heals the sick, trust the Savior that resurrects the dead, trust the Savior that wants to give you more than you can ever imagine, trust Jesus, believe Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for the opportunity to be together. And as we heard about uh, missionaries that are struggling, Lord, and as, as we've heard about grief that families are going through, and, and, and as we've talked about in your scripture and read stories about people that were struggling and, and didn't understand what, what, what was going on around them and felt like they were lost and felt like it was over, and Lord, you called them and you put them in a place where, where they went through much more than they were expected. But Lord, as we've seen every time, you give us so much more than we expect or deserve. And so Lord, I just pray this morning that if there's somebody in here that's in a place where they feel like they're lost or they feel like they're done or they feel like you're ignoring them or they feel like they don't know what you're doing, I pray that they would just trust you. I pray that they would believe. And I pray that you would call us to something so much deeper than a, a cheap healing or a cheap faith. I pray that you would call us to a Savior that wants to walk with us every day. I pray that you'd be with each and every one of us, Lord, and be our Savior. Amen.